I call it luck. In my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Welcome back to Canto by Dispatch. Today, I'm Brittany, and joining me today, as always, is my friend, Emily Lynn. Hi, Emily. Hi, Brittany. How are you? I'm okay. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's November 1st. The Halloween decorations are going back to hell where they belong, and the Christmas decorations are coming up. Can't I cannot deal with this Christmas decorations like the first of no. It needs to wait until after Thanksgiving. I just I I can't do it. Like it's just it's such a happy season. I, I know one person who would agree with me on that, and that is our dear lovely monster, Chris Fresh. Okay, but they don't they don't have Thanksgiving. But still, like if they had Thanksgiving, they would do the same thing. Like, look, Chris's Christmas obsession of, with the guy like, apart. That's fine. I get it. But, like, we have other holidays. For, and he doesn't like scary things, so he doesn't know Halloween. Okay. But, no. Thanksgiving and then Christmas. Well, okay. Let's compromise here. We can get the Thanksgiving decorations out, get all the turkeys, and then just put Christmas hats on the turkeys. No, leave those poor turkeys alone. Just let them be happy Thanksgiving turkeys who will get devoured. And then well, not like Christmas real time. turkeys, like the stuffed animal. Tur- I would say the stuffed turkeys, but yeah, that, that's even worse. Like the stuffed animal turkeys. It, you know, like we still have like, you know, the tablecloths, but, you know, everyone has to get a miniature Christmas tree in their room. You know, I have a tree in my room that I need to put some lights on or something. I've been meaning to do that for like the longest time because I had an old tree in my room and then I had to get rid of it because it was old. And now I have a new tree. And here, I'll take a picture and send it to you. It's it's a lovely tree. It's fake, obviously. But because I, I don't have a green thumb. Okay, I'm taking a picture of the tree and sending it to Emily. But other than my uh, Christmas shenanigans, Emily, how was your Halloween? Um, I didn't really do anything. Um, I watched The Shining. And that was about it. I didn't I didn't watch many horror movies this year. Normally I watch more like the past couple of years I've been trying to do like thirty one movies over October, but I just haven't been in the mood for horror movies. But Oh that's a nice that's a nice plant. Thank you. 
but no, like I no. So I watched The Shining and I ate pizza, and then later I did Steel's uh, episode one reaction for Mandalorian, and that was fun. Oh, that is fun. I saw that him and his adorable little family dressed up as the Simpsons. It was very cute. Very nice. But how have you been? I've been good. I was away for a couple days uh, hiking in the mountains, and that was a lot of fun. It was really funny because uh, we got to this trail and there was like another trail connected to it, but it was like this hikers only trail. And I didn't like being gatekept by hikers. So I decided that I should do this hike also connected with the other hike. And I successfully completed it. So fuck your hikers trail. I don't know if that makes me a hiker now, but like. Yeah, I think that means that you were hiking it. Yeah. It was fun, though. It was a nice view. It was, it was a lot of miles. It was very high up. It was a nice day. We got pie. We had a lot of pie. What kind of pie? I had boysenberry apple pie, and Carlos had uh, caramel apple crumb pie. Well, those both sound good. Yeah, it was really good. The town that we stayed at was known for its delicious pies. So it gave us a lovely excuse to wake up in the morning and have pie for breakfast. <laughs> it has fruit. Yeah, it, it doesn't get any better than that. You know, it's it was the first time, you know, I was eating like normal food in like about a year. So, oh, okay. of course, I went wild. Like, eh, that's OK once in a while. Yeah. Like one morning I had like a giant cinnamon roll for breakfast and it was glorious and rich and I never need to have another cinnamon roll again that's the best thing about having like really good food is that like I don't ever need to have this again because I know it's not going to be as good as the giant cinnamon roll but yeah so what's what's been going on anything uh anything interesting in, in Star Wars or anything well I mean there was a new episode of the Mandalorian that was pretty cool that was. So when did you watch it? Because I saw a lot of people online talking about spoilers and being spoiled. And obviously that's never good. But I successfully stayed offline until like 3 o'clock on Friday when I watched the episode. So what about yeah, you? I, I watched it when I got home from work. So around like probably like 6.30 or 7. And I, yeah, I just, I had to stay off Twitter all day. And look, it's super annoying because like I have, every, like I have all of the keywords muted and I know I'll still get spoiled. And that's shitty and I hate that people do it. But I also know that like at the end of the day, like I know that people are shitty. And so I'm just going to stay off Twitter. Yeah, I agree. Even you know, as soon as the episode is up, sometimes like people are like live tweeting or whatever, you know, which is cool, but that's just not my, my cup of tea. So of course, like I stay offline, but I think that's the best way. Like if you're an avid Mandalorian watcher and you can't watch it automatically, like I don't recommend you going on social media until you watch it because yeah. you might get spoiled. And 
especially in an episode like this, like there was a pretty big spoiler at the end. Yeah, I know. And yes, in an ideal world, that shouldn't be the place and everybody should tag their shit accurately and people shouldn't be tweeting shit out like five seconds after it happened, especially with no tags. But like we just got to accept the fact that like you can't you can't stop people from being assholes. And so at some point you just got to like protect yourself and stay off of Twitter. Exactly. Well, Emily, what did you think of uh, chapter nine of The Mandalorian? I really, really liked it. It was so much fun. As soon as I saw the title, because I had avoided the episode titles, like I knew there was a list going around, but I hadn't seen it. So as soon as I saw that title come up, I'm like, I'm going to get some Timothy Olyphant. And I was so excited. This episode was a masterpiece, you know, from beginning to end. Like, it was visually stunning. I love the story. I saw the argument that this was a filler episode, but fuck that. Like, it was just so much fun. Like, those scenes of the Banthas and the Dune Sea or, like, in the sand were just beautiful. Like, I everything about this was wonderful. You got Timothy in it. You got a lot of Mando. Even his interactions with the Tuscan Raiders, I loved the shit out of that. Yeah, I think we got to put a filler episode in the same thing as plot hole, which is things that have lost all meaningful definition and people just use to mean they didn't like something. Yeah. Like, story. this tells a story. There is a story that is told here. Like, I, the idea of, like, saying that character building is filler is such a, like, I don't understand how people, like, what do they, like, what do they want? What do they think, like, this show is about? Why are you watching this show if you don't care about seeing these characters or anything? Like, I find it so frustrating. But I thought this episode was so much fun and good. I love how westerny it is. It's such a western, and it brought me right back to Deadwood. Like I feel like I was watching like Deadwood in Star Wars. Even like down to like when he's and you know we're gonna skip around in this because like everybody's seen it by now. Like who's listening to this? So you know we don't need to do a like recap in terms of like scene by scene this is what happened but the scene when he is when he's first riding into town and like you see like all the people like staring at him and everything's like washed out and gray like that is such a western thing and the music is there and it's just ugh, i love it so much it was like it it, and it leans into it so hard that it's very self-aware and like it becomes it becomes funny while still just being like cool as shit. Yeah. And one of the things I love the most about this episode was the minor details, like how when the Mandalorian gets inside the bar and the bartender is actually fucking someone from Deadwood, Dan <gasps> from Deadwood. Oh my god! Okay, so I had no idea until I saw uh, W. Earl Brown is the actor's name, and he had a. Cu- I suggest like looking at his tweets about it because he had a couple of, of of Twitter threads, and there was some interesting stuff there. One is that he started shooting like the day before season one premiered. 
so he started shooting having no idea like he had no idea who baby yoda was or any of that shit and he he talks about how he was um like because all he knew is that he was gonna do he was doing the scenes with his friend timmy olfant he was doing the scene with pedro pascal and there was a there was a little kid because you know because he only saw his script pages that's how it works and so like he's like where's where's the where's the actor playing the kid Where's his kid? And even like when the prop people like bring out Baby Yoda, he's like, oh my God, that's cute. That's Baby Yoda. <laughs> but has no idea that the kid is Baby Yoda. Like, and I thought that was adorable. And apparently like his, his wife um, does something with like, like Disney Plus, like streaming. And so like he came back and he's like, did you know there was a baby Yoda? And she just sort of like <laughs> smiles at him because like, you know, like that's how tight they are with their NDAs. It's like you can't even talk about that stuff with your spouse. But it was so cute. The other thing, he, um, the other thing that was cool that he said is like he had he had previously done prosthetic work and hated it. Like because you're just sitting in the makeup chair for hours and hours and hours. So his agent calls him. And he's like, hey, you know, he's like, hey, we have this prosthetics role. And he's like, eh, I don't really, I probably don't want to do that. And he's like, okay, you know, I'll, you know, John Favreau asked for you specifically. It's for some, I think it's for some Star Wars thing on Disney, blah, blah, blah. And he immediately is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this the Mandalorian? Because, you know, we had been hearing about it, even if he hadn't seen it yet. And he's like, no, 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 no. I absolutely want to do this. It's Star Wars. And he also tells a story about how, like, he was in high school when, when Star Wars originally came out and how like he felt like he was too old to get Star Wars toys, but he was jealous, like on the school bus watching all the other like littler kids play with their Star Wars toys. And I was like, I love this man. That was such a beautiful Twitter thread. Like, I feel like I learned so much about him. And I think my favorite part, too, was him getting home and being like, did you know there was a baby Yoda? (laughs) And how excited he was that he got to touch a Bampa. Oh, I would be too. I love the Banthas. Yeah, and and also it makes me love John Favreau that he specifically like asked for W. Earl Brown because he had Timothy Oliphant. That's my favorite. Like, just reuniting actors that were in previous shows together. Like that just makes me so happy. And ah, we need to see Timmy again. Like he was brilliant in this yeah. episode. Like I. Obviously, like, I'm watching Deadwood, and that's 2004, 2005, Timmy, and you go straight to 2020, Timmy, and you're like, wow, that gray hair. Wow. Oh, my God, the hair. Because, like, I had seen him, like, I mean, I I mean, I even Justified was a while ago now, and so, like, the last thing I really saw him in that was new was the Deadwood movie, and he is, he's aged up in that. Mm-hmm. Because Timothy Oliphant has aged extremely well, and they wanted Bullock to look like a little bit more like tired and you know, like aged. So even though like in real time, about the same times passed, like they still have him in some makeup. But goddamn, when he takes that helmet off and you see the hair and that fucking grin that he does. <sighs> I just like, like I already love Timothy Oliphant. Space Timothy Oliphant, like no, and and I'm saying this like everybody knows my Ben Mendelsohn um, infatuation, but 
space Timmy Oliphant might be like the hottest fucking person I've ever seen. Like it is ridiculous. We have hit a new era. Look, I'm not going to become like, he's not an bad guy and he's not like the type of character I will become as obsessed with. I I thought he was great and I loved him. Like, it's not going to be the chronic thing, but God damn, that man is a tall drink of water. How tall is he actually? Uh, I'm not sure, but he's also very skinny, which makes him seem, I think, even taller. Yeah. Timothy Oliphant height. But I, okay, one of the things straight off that I loved is that the armor doesn't fit him. Yeah, it looks kind of like funky. Like I saw a lot of memes of people comparing it to like when your mom makes you wear your Halloween costume over your clothes. Oh, you know what? Like Google says he's only six foot, Hmm. which seems wrong to me. But maybe it's just maybe it's just like he's so like slim and just how he holds himself that he seems taller than that. But. No, because you know, because Star Wars has the history of things like Luke and Han stealing stormtrooper armor and it fitting them perfectly, and even though they are vastly different than the guys they stole it from, <laughs> like I like the fact that this like it's not only like doesn't fit him, but he like it's like he didn't know how to put it on, and it just looks so like weird and janky, and he's got like the red like scarf on still. I just ugh. I, I like the fact that you're not you're you're supposed to know immediately that something's up. And I like that they they dispense of it so quickly with him taking off the helmet right away. They're not like they're not trying to fool you into thinking this guy is Boba Fett. Yeah, I was surprised of how quick everything was, you know, when he takes off his helmet, says who he is, and especially him sharing his story. We don't get a lot of, you know, background stories in Star Wars or a lot of like flashback scenes but I thought that Cobb's flashback scene was really done well what I kind of, what I like about it is like even though this is him telling his own story like he still just kind of comes across as like a little bit of a, a, a loser and that he's just sort of like was really lucky yeah because um, if, if like the Jawas hadn't come by like, he would have been fucked. And the fact that he, you know, he, like, took the, whatever the ice cream maker is called, and it happened to have those crystals in it, I thought I thought that was really cool. And I also just like that he is, I like that he's a good guy. Like, yeah, he has, you know, he has Boba Fett's armor and immediately is, like, in conflict with, with um, Din Djarin. But we resolve that pretty quickly because he's, he's a guy who is trying to protect his town and his people. Yeah, I mean, obviously he'd do anything to protect them, you know, with all the drama that he had with the Tuscans, you know, him, you know, admitting to, you know, killing a bunch of Tuscan raiders and, you know, having to work with them, you know, took a lot of courage and a lot of, it took a lot for him to do that because of his opinion and the town's opinion of the Tuscan raiders. Like, I thought that was really cool. Two separate parties, you know, coming together to, you know, kill the dragon. Even though I felt bad they had to kill the dragon. I mean, they had to. The dragon was, like, killing their people and their banthas for many, 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 many years. So, Yeah, the great dragon is pretty dangerous. Yeah. I loved it, though. It was huge. That was a big fucking dragon. Dude, when that thing first came out of the ground, like, the first time we see it, like, such a cool, fun, unexpected moment. I know. And just... 
the dragon, you know, traveling under, like the first time you see it in the town and it just, it takes the Bantha that just goes away. Like that's scary. Like it scared the shit out of me. Poor Banthas. I know. And then when they're all fighting the fucking dragon and then it just spits out acid at them. Like what the <gasps> oh fuck? My God. Yeah. Suddenly it starts spitting like this like acid bile that it has. I'm like, I didn't know they could fucking do that. That's awesome. It was so gross. You see people start to like disintegrate and just <sighs> that's crazy. I I'd never seen anything like it. Like that freaked me out. Just it was just one thing after another after another. And everything looked good too. Like nothing looked too CGI, except, you know, those little those little bird things that, you know, they have in the scene, like, they need to stop doing that. You know, making those, like, little CGI birds, you know what I mean? Or little, mm, they need to yeah. stop that. You know, everything else is fine, but we don't need those tiny birds. I mean, you agree, right? You're not the biggest bird fan. No, but I, like, I think you need, like, I get, like, they're trying, you know, make it seem like, hey, there's, like, creatures and this is a lived-in universe, but it doesn't, like, they don't quite look right. But... Yeah, and another thing too was, you know, I kind of rolled my eyes in the beginning when the one I dude was like, oh, uh, the dude lives on Tatooine. Like, and I was like, ah, oh, shit, we have to go back to Tatooine. But like, I didn't mind it. Like, I enjoyed this trip back to Tatooine. Like, I enjoyed seeing the curly haired lady again, you know, and her little droids. I liked seeing, you know, the Mandalorian you know, going on his speeder bike, you know, through the town and everything, and him and you know, traveling to the dragon. Like, I really like that. Like, that was really tasteful. I I wouldn't mind it. You know, if we end up staying in Tatooine for a couple more episodes, like, it's not going to be the worst thing in the world for me. Yeah, um, I, it felt less, like, like, don't get me wrong, there's a ton of references here, but it felt less, like, nudge, nudge, like, look at this, look at this, do you get this? This is a thing from before. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get it? And just sort of let them be. Like, just the fact that, like, we, yeah, we see the Tuscans traveling single file. And I'm so glad they didn't have somebody, like, they didn't have, like, the Mandalorian, like, make a comment to Cobb Vanth about it. Being like, hey, no, 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 get behind us because we walk in single file. That's what the Tuscan Raiders do. Like, you don't you don't need to comment on it because either you get the reference and you say, oh, that's that's a fun little thing. Or you don't and you never even, like, realize that you're missing anything. Like, those are the kind of references, like, like ones that if you don't get it, you don't realize there was anything to get. Yeah, like, there were some, like, fan service moments, like, you know, when Cobb Banth was, you know, flying part of, uh, I, I think they were thinking that that was Anakin's pod racer. That was just a pod racer. I don't know. It's, and then um the astromech droid at you know the curly haired lady's place you know that was like the r4 unit or some r5 R5. whatever that unit yeah but i also like um so like okay let's like going back to the end there's a couple things that i liked one that i liked is i mean first of all i liked how much of what we saw in the trailer is in like the first like five minutes of this episode yeah like we see the Gamorrean guard like fight we see all this stuff there we see the little baby Yoda hiding in his in his crib which I love um I like that 
he leaves the um the the one-eyed dude to get eaten by whatever those creatures were <laughs> uh, like i gotta tell you like okay let's 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 uh talk semantics here because what he what he tells him i promise you won't die by my hand you immediately know he's gonna do something to kill this guy but i'm like I, I think you can take the blame for that death, dude. I think if you tie the guy up and shoot out the light so the nocturnal creatures come and eat him, I can I can say that is pretty much dying by your hand. I think you're stretching your code there just a little bit. Yeah, but that shows that he's really wanting to find Baby Yoda's homeland. You know, he's doing everything he can, you know, to find his people. But he already got the information there. I guess, but maybe he just knew that he was a big piece of shit. He killed that Gamorrean guard for no reason, you know? <laughs> but, no, but I, no, but I'm saying, like, I like that. I like that he's not, like, you know, like, 100%, like, clean hand guy. Like, he kills all sorts of people. And I like that we immediately see Amy Sedaris back on Tatooine. I love her. I love how excited she is to see the baby Yoda. Yeah, she's like all of us, like, ah, like, oh, it's still here. <laughs> yeah, I love that she loves him. I like that they have him now being more okay with droids, presumably because of IG-11. Yeah, like, he's a little soft and spot now. Like, yeah. yeah, like, he's still done love, but he's like, no, no, they can do their thing and look at, and work on my ship. Um, he is still... <sighs> He's still not great with the babysitting. And I like that this gets called out, like, repeatedly. Like, Amy Sedaris is like, you know, I can keep him if you want. He's like, no, no, he comes with me everywhere. Like, when they're, when, <laughs> even in the beginning of the scene, when he first gets to the, the like, the fighting, the bar or whatever he's at, and the guard opens the door, and he just sort of, like, he doesn't say anything, but he definitely, like, looks at the fact that this dude is bringing in a baby, and there's this beat where he's like... If I worked at a nice bar and not this dirt fighting bar, I would probably say something about this. But I work at a dirt fighting bar, so I guess just go in with this obvious baby. Yeah. I mean, I defend him. I'm not leaving him uh, with Amy because the last time he did, everyone's favorite villain, Toro Calican, you know, went back and tried to kill the child. So... Sure, but then he gets to this town and he goes into the bar and he just leaves the baby Yoda on the bike. And the baby Yoda sort of like, I guess, like gets himself in there and toddles after him. And I like that Cobb Vanth, when Cobb Vanth thinks he's going to kill him, is like, you really, you really going to do this like in front of the kid? <laughs> he's seen worse. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fucked up. He's a little baby. Yeah. Also... I, I think we need to mention the fact that that thing he climbs into there, that is a spittoon. Oh, shit. <laughs> that is a dis... I, hopefully, the, uh, hopefully uh, Dan Doherty, the weak way, uh, keeps a clean bar and has just recently, like, like, you know, emptied it or something. But yeah, he's just climbing into a spittoon and hanging out in it. Baby Yoda. Babies are gross. They are. Yeah, I think that's kind of like the joke of the Mandalorian is that he's a really bad babysitter and just <laughs> every single episode he just does something like horrific like with the child or surrounding the child, you know, like 
having the fight, like the fact that he took him with the dragon. I was almost waiting for Baby Yoda to either like do something to the dragon or I don't know. I'm always waiting for, you know, him to do the magic hand thing or something, you know, <laughs> do the magic hand thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad he didn't because you need to use that for like, like you can't do it all the time, especially since he already like did it with the mud horn to do it to another big old creature is not great. But I like that we get the team up with Cobb Vanth and the Mandalorian. I was a little bit worried about that. Um, but I like that because and also the deal they make is it's like that again. It's like it's such a Western trope thing where the guy come rides into town and there's some like outside danger and he's got a team up with the town and you get all the townspeople involved in it, too. I just I love that story. And I just. Ugh. um, One thing that's great in this episode, the, like the music, like I, it's it's it's. It's a new take on Star Wars music, and we got that last season too. But it's still here, and I realize how how important the music is in a show when your main character is wearing a helmet. Like, there's a scene when when Cobb Vanth first comes in, and he's in the armor, and you just get this close up on the Mandalorian. And it's just a dude in a helmet. Like, there's like, don't get me wrong. Like, whoever the this the actor is in the suit, like his his like body language is great, but that doesn't work if you also don't have that music because that music is the only way you know how you're supposed to feel. Yeah, the music has always been something in the show that just is really good. Like, I remember last night we were just playing like Halloween music or just music in general. We played the Mandalorian theme and you just feel so much from it. Like, it's amazing what music and Star Wars can do, but especially this. Like, this is unlike anything Star Wars has ever seen. And especially yesterday's episode, it was so good. Yeah, and I like, it's got all these Western notes, but even times it breaks into this, like, this metal kind of sound. And, and again, like, it fools you. It tricks your brain into thinking you're seeing emotion from a mask. Yeah, like, I definitely feel din. And in all the scenes, like, you can feel he's caring. You can feel, you can feel a lot without seeing his face, which is really interesting which also it interests me like is pedro in there the whole time i think he i I don't think he's there at all yeah i wouldn't be surprised i feel like that that's the thing like my parents watch the mandalorian too they're obviously like not as big like star wars fans as we are they don't have a star wars podcast no kidding but um (laughs) my dad's biggest thing is always like i guess he read this article like six months ago about like how he just isn't in the suit anymore. And he's like, well, I don't want to watch it if he's in the suit. I'm like, dad, that makes no sense. But it just every time he sees him, he's like, well, he's not in the suit. I'm like, dad. He wasn't in the suit last season either. I'm like, dad, yeah. He's like, well, that's just some random guy in the suit. I'm like, I know. I'm like, you know, you look at the dude who played Vader. Like, look how useless he was, you know? Yeah. I just think that's so funny. Like, that ain't James Earl Jones in that suit. <laughs> I don't think he fits. But... Uh, I just think it's always funny that just whatever my dad sees it, he's like, hey, that, he's not in the suit. I read that article. I'm like, dad, I don't think that article was right. He's just like, yeah. Well, it's just like, it doesn't matter. But no, and I love, again, like I love all the Tuscan stuff. I, when he and Cobb are in the, like, the little like mountain-y type, little hills and shit, and they come across 
the whatever those Tuscan wolves are. And Cobb's all freaked out, and then didn't start speaking Tuscan, and then goes over and pets the scary alien puppies. <sighs> Cute dude playing with puppies in space. That's my thing. He is just so good. I love him. I love <sighs> everything about him. He is the worst babysitter, but possibly the best Star Wars character. Oh, he's so great and i also like i really like that like they're like he's like no the tuscans are fucking like people that scene when they're sitting around the campfire and Cobb like refuses to like drink the thing and the one tuscans like you fucking steal our water from us and now you won't like drink what we give you i'm like this is so great obi-wan kenobi is a horrible fucking racist and like Anakin, like, I'm like, look, we already knew this shit with Anakin was fucked up, but, like, it comes even, like, any of that shit seems more horrible now, looking back on it. And, like, I mean, look, George already doesn't always have the best, like, uh, track record when it comes to this shit, but it does, like, it's even more glaring when they are now pointing out, like, hey, they're not savages, they're people with their own culture and customs, and for the large part, it seems like uh, uh, people who have been, like, pushed off their ancestral homeland yeah by like a bunch of humans moving in yeah that's an interesting outlook i remember like right before we started recording i saw that you tweeted that and i'm th- i was thinking like how is he but it's like now it's like coming together you know of course in a new hope you know when the references he makes like towards the tuscans and yeah i get it like that's fucked like and that's what I love about this show is that, you know, we're learning more about people we thought were evil, but who are good, you know, like the Mandalorian, for instance, you know, we used to see Mandalorians as like bounty hunters and, you know, not good guys, but you see Din and he's a good guy. I mean, he, he he's kind of like your anti-hero type guy, but, you know, he's doing good by reuniting Baby Yoda with his people, hopefully. And he has good intentions. Yeah. He's a good person. He's grown a lot, you know, especially with the droid thing. You know, he fucking hated droids because they they fucking killed his parents and, you know, caused him to, you know, have to join the guild. You know, but it saved his life, but he always resented droids. But now he's, you know, welcoming them after his experience with IG-11, which is, it shows growth. And I'm glad that we're seeing that in him. Yeah, and like with, with the Tuscans, it's not even like oh they're good or they're bad. It's that like we're seeing oh they're people, yeah. <laughs> like like I think it's especially interesting. And and you know like this is just because I'm obsessed with Deadwood. But the fact that this is in an episode with with Timothy Oliphant, when like that's always like in the in the background of Deadwood is like the the um the clash with with the fact that they're you know like have taken over native american land and that's always sort of in the background especially in the first season like we get like some pretty horrific like racist shit from like oh we're gonna go you know like massacre these people and like you know like al's still walking around with a dude's head in a box so i i i i like that that's in this episode with him yeah that's extremely important like I I loved everything about the Tuscan Raiders, you know, in this episode, you know, and their people. And I really hope that we get more with them. Like I loved, you know, Din communicating with them 
And I think I was reading somewhere that, you know, they they hired, you know, like some deaf people to, you know, help with like the sign language part. And I think that's brilliant. Yeah, that was cool because that's something that was um, from from the tweet I saw. It was that um, like one of the actors was a hearing actor, but um, knows ASL. Mm -hmm. And they're the one who suggested like, no, you need to get like actual like Nate, like deaf people in here to work on this. And I think that's so important to like have that called out and that they responded to it, I think is really cool. And that's that's a very good sign. That is. And that's what makes a show better but I hate how you know it's getting a lot of praise it's getting you know there's aspects of this that are really really good you know but unfortunately in an episode or possibly two you know we're gonna come back to a person that is spreading hatred in this community and in general so it's really tricky for me to be like you know this is brilliant this is this is art and then have to remember that there is someone associated with this that is causing so much hatred and so much pain to so many people, so many things. And it's tricky because it's like they do a lot of good and bad and just just the bad just. Yeah. And like, again, like I realize this, this, you know, like when the Gina Crona stuff happened, like when her transphobia like came to light, um, by her spewing it very openly on the internet um like season two is already done and i like i get that but still like what i'm trying to remind myself like as much as i enjoyed this episode and i'm like oh man season two is going to be awesome i'm like oh yeah because i haven't seen the person who is potentially going to take me out of it all yet like it's very easy to just to, like enjoy the mandalorian when i'm not confronted with that and like have to reconcile like what it means to like watch and support a show with somebody who has those views in it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I'll probably put timestamps in this episode. You know, if no, if you know, understandably you're not comfortable watching the Mandalorian, you know, knowing what hatred Gina Carano has spread. I'll put timestamps from when we start to when we end talking about the Mandalorian so that, you know, you don't have to listen and, you don't have to sequester yourself like to that, but yeah, mm-hmm. we got you and we want everyone to, you know, feel safe and feel happy and yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, we haven't, we haven't talked about like actual Boba Fett yet. He's here. He's a little scratched up, but you know, he, I mean, you got, he got fucking thrown into a Sarlacc pit. Like that's not going to be good for you. That's not a spa treatment. Damn. I'm I'm glad they got it out of the way. And I don't mean that in like a dismissive way. I'm just sort of like, I'm glad that it's not gonna get like strung out for eight episodes, whether he's actually in this or not. I I I'm not gonna be surprised if like we don't see him again for a couple episodes or maybe even the end of the season. Like I'm not gonna be shocked. If it's just like, if it's nothing at all for a while, or if it's just little things like this, but I'm glad they're like, nah, we're not going to toy with you anymore. Boba Fett's alive. Here he is. It's Tamara Morrison. Thank God. I was really happy to see him. I, I am weak to cameos and prequel characters, et cetera, et cetera. So 
seeing him was such a delight and seeing his outfit seeing we're gonna see a completely different boba than we're used to and of course you know my first thought was Haas. yeah you see the video of him you know sitting in his mask and going like (laughs) yeah i'm um i'm i'm supposed to be doing uh blue harvest i think for for the next mandalorian episode but I'm very excited to talk to him. Like, even if Bob is not in the next episode, which I suspect he won't be. Like, I'm just so happy for him. He gets his guy in it, and that's all great. I know. After all the false starts and all the like the Boba shit that didn't happen, like, I just think it, I think that's cool. I know. I'm really I'm really happy. I'm curious to see what kind of character Boba will be in this and if he's useful at all in this, you know, because like, what if he's not? I mean, he's just been chilling on Tatooine for the past, you know, couple years. You know, what does he have? What information does he have to give Din? You know, like, I don't think much because he technically isn't a Mandalorian. He's just wearing the armor. And yeah, like that's something we got to remember is like, it seems like that would definitely like because he's. I assume wants his fucking armor back but you know like one of the reasons uh, Din is so determined to take it is because Cobb is not a Mandalorian so he cannot have this armor that's very important and so it'll be interesting to see like the conflict between him and Boba Fett yeah that's gonna be really interesting and you know, maybe he's going to see him and maybe Boba doesn't want the armor anymore. Maybe Boba sees himself, you know, not as the man in that armor anymore, not as a bounty hunter. Like maybe he has like a whole new job. Like maybe he found like a whole new passion or something like <laughs> maybe he wants to be a dentist. I don't know. You just you never know with Star Wars. I have to say that it is it is the most interested I've ever been in Boba Fett. Which is to say, I'm even the slightest bit interested in Boa Fett right now. <laughs> but but I am. Like, I want to know, like, what, what he's after and what his his plan is. And also just, like, what he's been doing for these past couple years. Yeah. I wonder how he got out. That is a good question. Chuck Wendig probably knows. I see. Dude, you and Chuck Wendig are, like, friends. I mean, he follows me on Twitter. Like, that's a big deal. I love him. He's... I love him so much. He's pretty great. I remember in college, I took, like, a, a writing class, and we had to write about an article that he did about um, Hermione Granger and, you know, insinuating that, you know, she probably was black and you know seeing you know the hints of that in the books and everything and how you know it was unfair that it was assumed that she was a white woman which probably wasn't true and I I thought holy shit I'm like that is amazing and I remember right after that I saw that oh shit he's doing a Star Wars book and I got that and I don't know Chuck Wendig is a pretty cool dude he's 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 right on like i think he's just like i mean besides the fact that i think he's a brilliant writer and i like devour his books like i fucking like 
I love his shit. Like Wanderers was amazing. I can't wait for that to be a TV show. Um, oh, please God cast Ben Bendelson. Um, and the Miriam Bella books are good, but also I just think like, he's just like a good dude. Like his politics are like, he's like this super leftist, very vocal. I just like, he will fucking go after people on Twitter. If they go after him, I fucking love it. Oh, but yeah, speaking of that, go out and vote, 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 vote. I turned in my ballot yesterday at the local this library. Will, this, will, this is dropping on oh. Friday. Oh shit. So you better have voted. <laughs> But still, you know, just every time it comes around, just always vote, you know, like always get your flu shot, always vote, you know, use your manners, just please and thank you, (laughs) you know, just it's the three basic things. They're all important things. Yeah. Yes. No, but. And okay, one thing I love about this episode, and I was talking about this a little bit on Steel's show last night which is like people like beforehand are like like when the rumor is about the cop coming on there were so many people like oh like you can't bring him in he's just from some of he's some obscure character from the book and nobody will know who he is and the whole time i'm just thinking what he's a character if you bring him onto the tv show you explain who he is just like you would if he were a brand new character who wasn't in any book or comic like that's what that's what writing is. You introduce the character, and it's cool if you already know who he is. But if not, you just explain it on the show. It's fine. And it was just so easy to understand and comprehend. You know, he said his name. He <laughs> shared his story. Like, how much more simpler does it get? And like, I yeah. never read books. I mean, obviously, you know, me and Johnny Grasso connect with the fact that, you know, we don't read a lot. and that, That's okay. Hi, Johnny Grasso, if you're listening. But like, I knew who Cobb Banff was because I had, you know, heard, oh, there's a guy in the books that wears his armor. And I thought, cool, that's great. And then I saw him and I'm like, holy shit, it's that guy that I know from this thing and this thing. It's like the six degrees of separation kind of thing, you know? But it was simply put out there like, hi, I'm Cobb. This is my story. What up? You know, and that's it. It was easy. Yeah, that's all you got to do. Like, they're not just going to like drop him in there and expect everybody to know who he is. Like, of course, they're not. They're not that stupid. So just like, yeah, you bring in new characters or you bring in like characters who like some people will know. And as long as you do like, you know, a good introduction to them, then it's fine. Yeah, I think people are just shitty because it's not just a character from a book. He's a character from a Chuck Wendig book. I think that's mostly what the shittiness was over, but. Probably. I'm glad I didn't see any of this on social media yet. I know. I, I think that this episode was like well received. I haven't seen anyone saying that they didn't like hate it. I know that Frouche, one of our Australian friends, isn't the biggest Mandalorian fan, but if, I think even he was like, this wasn't terrible. And Robbo, too. <laughs> yeah i haven't gone i haven't gone looking too deep into people's reactions because i did i mean like again like i was off twitter for the whole day and had stuff muted like a couple hours after that but no i've seen i've seen mostly like pretty positive stuff um you know some people are kind of like over being on tatooine and i get that like i like i I get it like i enjoy this episode a lot but also because it's fucking timothy oliphant as a space sheriff of course i enjoy this episode a lot but 
no, I'm, I, I, you know, I'd be happy to, to not go back to Tatooine for a while. Like, I'm not going to hate seeing it again. Um, I definitely liked it in this episode more than I liked it last season. But, you know, I want to I wanna get to the ice planet. I want to get to wherever they are on the boat. Yeah, I wonder, maybe Boba's with him on the boat. Like, maybe Boba's going to be his, like, side guy. They're going to kick Gina Carr out of the out of the crew and put Boba in. <laughs> like, that's a great crew right there. But no, I, I just, I enjoyed this episode pretty thoroughly. Me too. Oh, I have a question. So, you know when they kill the dragon and, you know, they're digging through the, the meat pieces and then they find the pearl and they get all excited. Do you think that means anything? I think, I, I don't know, I guess great dragons just have a pearl in them. Maybe it's very valuable. Maybe they can sell it. That's good. I hope they make some profit off of it. You know, find a nice piece of land to live on. You know, live luxuriously because they deserve that after all the hard work they put into <laughs> killing this dragon. Oh, I also love the fact that they send off the Mandalorian with a big, like, crate dragon steak. Yeah. Like, driving, like, a big old, like, Fred Flintstone, like, giant hunk of meat. It's leftovers. Like, who doesn't love leftovers? <laughs> I also love when, when, um, when they're first, like, they're putting out the little, like, the, the Tuscans are putting out the little diorama to make their plan. And Cobb is like, that's not to scale. And <laughs> they're just like, yeah, yeah, it is. And they realize just how big this thing is. It just the little things in this episode was, was really good. But, yeah, overall, it was really good. I guess um, this was Favreau, because Favreau writes, like, all these episodes. I guess this was, like, the first one that he was able to direct because he was working on the Lion King throughout the first season. Yeah, he's he's a solid like he's a solid like workhorse director. I don't have a like he's not it's not you know he's not necessarily like the most like flashy or interesting director. But I thought this was a like a good solid episode. And oh, one thing I liked is when they're riding through when he's riding through town at first. It's not all white people living there. Yeah, that's good. More of that, please. I, I mean, obviously, they also need to have people in, like, bigger, like, more important speaking roles. Uh, but it's, it is it is nice just to see, like, a diverse background cast. Yeah, it's really good. It's really doing some good. It's what we need. Like, a bit, you know, like, small steps. Like, it's good to see. Like, it's encouraging. Like, there's still a whole lot that needs to be answered for, but... I'll give, I'll give credit where credit's due. It's it's it was just like it was refreshing that they did that. Yeah, it was. It really was. But yeah, overall this is a great episode. I'm eager to see what the next episode is about. You know, I'm hoping that we are back on Tatooine. We don't see certain people. <laughs> I am hoping that we get Moff Gideon. Like going into this episode, I would have told you the first thing I want to see is Moff Gideon. But I just, I was just enchanted by the episode we did got, so I didn't miss it too much. But I want Moff Gideon backstory. I want to know what he's up to. Um, I I don't want to see Cara Doom, but that is inevitable. But no, give me some off Gideon or give me a new cool planet when he's just off with baby Yoda on his own. Yeah. 
Uh, well, uh, Emily, do you want to get to Deadwood now? Yeah, let's go. Let's talk about some more Timothy Oliphant. This wasn't good. <laughs> well, this is episode, is it episode nine of season two? Amalgamation and Capital. Uh, this is an interesting one because this is an episode that is, for most of the episode, by Deadwood standards, pretty light and very funny. And then you get to the end of the episode and everything is terrible and awful and it sucks. So it starts off with the general with a horse, a very, uh, very angry horse, understandably. And being like, hey, let's keep the horse, even though it's angry. Yeah, because he wants to sell the horse. It's like a wild horse that he captures that he wants to sell to, like, the army. Because there's, like, a battalion, like, headed nearby that he can catch up with. But the first, they gotta, they gotta geld the thing. Which is hard, I would imagine, on a wild horse especially. Yeah, so I knew that this was going to be an episode with a death. Because when you see an angry horse... It only gets angrier. And then when you see the bicycle again, you know that's bad. Like, I, I for a second, I thought that someone was going to get on the bicycle and crash and die. But I thought, you know, that, that can't happen. But something much worse happened. I don't know. There was, it was a very light episode. Like, nothing really happened too much. Um, it started off really cute. You know, William being like, hey, like, what do you or um Seth asking William William right yeah about hey you know what do you remember about your dad and yeah because because Seth was really young because his other was older so Seth was only nine when his brother like moved away from home and he's just like talking to him about it he's like gives him coffee and he talks to him about his dad and he William talks about how his dad taught him duck calls yeah and you know, then he's in the garden and he's like, oh, you know, my dad liked sunflowers and I think that uh, Mr. Bullock will like sunflowers. And then the, and he's like, we should bring lunch to him. And God, God bless his wife, but she's just the most awkward thing in the world. And I would be too, you know, if the man that I married. Who you barely know. Who I barely know had a relationship with another woman who also lives in camp who I've had some not so great interactions with. Like, it's just extremely uncomfortable. And you know what makes it even more uncomfortable? What's that? When your fucking child gets run over by a horse and dies. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know, we talk about, you know, children and shows and how terrible it is to kill them, you know. Like, I sent in a prediction to steal that I don't know if Baby Yoda is going to make it this season. I, I don't know. I want him to, but I don't know. But seeing what happened to poor William was like, I don't know if this is really going to happen in Star Wars. Because, like, this is pretty no. bad. Like, it's just so heartbreaking that this woman lost her husband, moved to camp, married her husband's brother, and now lost her son. Like, she has nothing. Like, that is awful. What 
the one thing in this episode does really well because I mean, for, yeah, you get like you know, you know, like you know, something's going to happen with the horse in the beginning, but the rest of the episode is light enough. You can kind of forget about it here and there. Like you have all the stuff with with Joni and Jane, which is really funny and sweet, and like their growing friendship and and Joni inviting Jane to live with her, um, and 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 all of that. And you know, you get a little bit of sad stuff because like Charlie has been a bad place, and he's decided he's going to leave town to to deliver the letter to Wild Bill's uh, widow. And, but like the episode keeps moving. And so you sort of, you can forget about it here and there and you get like the little awkwardness with the Bullocks and Alma and, and you get, you know, like, oh, there's the, like they have the safe now and they like, Martha's going to start up a school and William's adorable and he's bonding with Seth. And then like the whole last 10 minutes, like even before, like they show the horse again, the music starts to get tense and you're sort of you're going between all these different characters. Like you're 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 seeing Seth witness Mrs. Ringhausen signing these documents for Al. You you're you're back at, at the, you know, um with Mr. W and and um and Cy in that saloon and you're you know, and you're back at the, the hardware store again with, with Trixie and every like making the first deposit in the bank. And there's just like this music that's going and going and going and it's getting more and more intense. And like, it seems like it should be lighthearted because you have Tom on his bike and they're trying to get William on it too. And they keep missing. And like, you can just like feel the dread building despite all this. And then the horse breaks loose. And like, it's so fast after this, like really like tense buildup and, you just see William like sprout out on the road and like, like the entire town sort of coming to a standstill. And you just see his like broken body there. And then Tom, like Tom, not all like horrified, like running up to him. It, it was just awful, you know, from him, you know, being inside the store, you know, bonding with Seth, you know, chilling with Sophia and then like him wanting to go out. That's when I knew that something was going to happen. Like you should have just stayed inside. Like, no, stay, stay indoors. Like outside is dangerous. You know that the first time you got to Deadwood, Seth and Seth was beating the shit out of uh, Al. Yeah. Al. Why did I? names but god <sighs> such a sweet little boy it's such a shame that we had to lose him and i th- it's funny too because like i think like the first season like i texted you like being like i hope something doesn't happen to sophia because i thought that <laughs> like i knew that something was going to happen to a child wrong child but still and one of the one of the reasons I like that is so much of the death that we see in Deadwood, like practically all of it is like murder and duels. You know, except for I mean, you know, we see there, you know, the couple people from the plague and then um when like well, 
the reverend you know like al al kills him but you can say that's a mercy killing but again like that's like it's always like people killing people and so for this like like you know like i mean almost like act of god sort of violence that is just this confluence of events that you can't really blame on anybody because like Tom just was like wanted you know like just like he wanted to show the kid the bike because he thought it'd be fun, and you even have you even have Steve the drunk trying to help him on the bike because he, <laughs> he I mean generally he seems to like it but also he wants to get into Seth's good side because Seth hates him, and you know the the general and and Hollister are just trying to get this horse scouted so they can sell it because you know they're like living in Deadwood and that's a shitty place to live probably especially as a black guy with no money like. Like it's not it's not anybody's like fault. It's just so sad. Like I'm I'm happy that we didn't see like reactions from people because that's what we'd get me is like seeing like his mom's reaction and Seth's reaction and everyone else's like horrified reaction to there's a dead child. You know, like it was horrific when Wild Bill died, but like this is a child. Like this child had so much potential so much everything you know ended so fucking soon yeah and he was and like, like just a, yeah just like the pan up of him like lying there on the street and like that they're they're pulled like i mean thank god pulled back far enough that you're not like you know like you don't want to like really like tight close up on a dead kid like that's way too much but it also just gives you like the scope of it and it just makes it seem like so like like he's like this little this little young little boy like all alone like on this street like ugh, it's devastating it's really sad and it's such a big deal that this happened because this puts like everything in jeopardy let's like what's gonna happen to seth's wife what's gonna happen to seth like how is he gonna react from this you know this is such a big deal to the town and how is everyone there gonna react yeah I don't know, but what a sad episode. Are there any more like shocking episodes like this? Or is this like, is this the, we've, we've hit the top of the, the tower. I mean, we, we definitely like play out the repercussions of this for a while. Um, there's other ones that are shocking in terms of just how violent they are. But, you know, that's a, like different, that's like a different kind of like, horrific you know i'd say in oh mm, there's one thing that comes close but that's not for a while that's good i mean as long as nothing happens to al like that stroke was already enough for me like (laughs) or trixie if anything happens to trixie I don't know what I'll do. <laughs> when, she's, when she's making, when when uh, Saul is uh, filling out the, the deposit for Trixie at the bank. And he's like, $5, Trixie. And then is obviously leaving the space for her to give her last name. And she just goes, the whore. <laughs> and then realizes that like Sophia and like, and everybody is still in the room. And it's like mortified. I love Trixie so much. She's so funny. Trixie the whore. 
<laughs> my other favorite line, it's maybe my favorite, one of my favorite lines from, from Jane when she's uh, goes to see Charlie and says that she's going to be staying at Joni's. And he's like, in what capacity? And she just looks at him and goes, yeah, I'm going to be queen fucking hooker. <laughs> Queen fucking hooker. Well, yeah, good for her. She's gonna live with uh, with Jane, like, or she's gonna, yeah. I, I her and Joni are just, ugh. Like, it's so great because they're such completely different characters, but they're also like, you realize, of course, like, have a lot in common in terms of like their backgrounds. Um. Like, I, and you know, led them to very different places now, but we know, like, from like back in the first season that that Jane was like abused and molested as a kid, and that's why she has that like strong reaction when Al goes to see Sophia. And we, we know that's like that Joni's dad like sold her to to Sai when she was, you know, like, you know, I think like 13 or 14. And so there is this like commonality between them. But they're also like, you know, like Joni's like the relatively high class madam. And then you have Jane, like, you know, the drunk frontiers woman. Yeah, I hope that she gives Jane like kind of like a like not makeover, but just kind of like I'd like to see like a cleaner Jane. Like I love Jane, but just a little cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. I also just love that somebody like taking care of Jane. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like. But with Wild Bill gone, like Charlie has tried, but there's only so much he can do because they're so combative. But yeah, I think I think this will be good for Jane. Yeah. Huh. Well, anything else happened this week that you want to discuss? Or I'm very upset about Bake Off. We lost a mark. I'm very upset. I liked Mark. I liked Mark. I liked his avocados. I liked the his... avocado cake was so cute. I liked the, the little burger buns that he made. Oh Those looked God. delicious. Those looked so good. And what a cool idea that was. Ugh. I know. I'm very upset. Like, to go along, there's still a lot of people that I like, but he was my favorite. And I'm glad I'm sad that he's gone already. I know Lottie's jiggly cake was adorable, though. Yeah, it was. And like, just to like sort of Im- like impressive in terms of like that she'd made this like weird thing. Everyone's really good this season. Like, yeah. I think Matt like mentioned that like this was the first challenge where all the judges like they didn't really have like a lot of complaints, you know, other than you know, Mark's being almost inedible. Like, everything was really cute. Like, the yeah. shuttlecock was adorable. The pineapple when, when cake. Did, like, when he first said he was making a shuttlecock, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, I was just like, what a weird idea. And then, of course, you know, like, you know, when Noel was talking to him, it's like, it turns out he, like, teaches badminton. And But I'm like, at first I was just like, how do you even come up with that's what you're making? It's funny because I'm always running while watching these episodes. 
So like, of course, like I think a shuttlecock and I think of like back in quarantine, we were playing badminton the whole time. So I'm like, oh, he's making a little shuttlecock. And then like he says it. I'm like, yeah. And the fact that he teaches badminton to kids is adorable. And Noel being like, can you teach my daughter? She's two. He's like, I've taught three year olds. I love how much Noel loves him. When he's just like, you are so weird. And for Noel to think somebody's weird is fantastic because that dude is a fucking bizarre man. And uh, I just loved how enamored he seemed of him. This, like, you know, like young kid badminton instructor who's making a shuttlecock cake. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to make it so that, you know, it just hit his head and he's seeing stars. Like, how do you come up with that? And it was just such an adorable little shuttlecock, too. Yeah. No, the, the the pineapple one was I was I was expecting the pineapple one to be the one that did not turn out. But it looked great. Yeah, I was assuming that she would go home because she was doing really bad like the past couple challenges. And she had a couple she had trouble with her um it was the thing they put over the cake. I forget. She had trouble with something that you put over the cake. But the fondant. The fondant, yeah. yeah she had trouble with the fondant. And it, Noel came up to her and said, Hey, this is really good. Like it, it, it was like the fun. It didn't look too great, but once you put it on, like it looked really good. It looked really cute. Well, yeah. Like once you see it all together, and like just like the fact that it like stood so well, and like it looked like an upside down pineapple. Yeah, the dog cakes were cute. Ugh, the dog cakes were cute. We have some very, very good bakers, and I'm gonna be really sad, you know, seeing more of them leave. And this was actually the hundredth episode of Bake Off. Oh. Which was fun. I still haven't watched the like the first two seasons of Bake Off yet because I don't think they're on Netflix, and I've been trying to find them, and they're nowhere to be found. Yeah, not legally anyway. Um, Very sad. But uh, man, I love Bake Off. It's very good. Me too. It's such a great show, and it's a great show. Like I'm really picky. On you know what I I can't listen to podcasts while I'm running because I tried that once and I was listening to an episode of the Geek Dudes and they were talking about like Lady J's like sexual history and I was just like I don't know how I feel running to hearing about one of my friends' sexual histories. I mean like I can listen to it while I'm doing something, but like running like I'm running to the no, but um, I just love Bake Off and just the fact that like it's just the music. I just it's like so exciting and it's so happy and it's like I'm. I'm running to the tent, basically. Oh, yeah, that sounds like the right like level of distraction for exercising. It is because you forget that you're, you know, running at like an eight, nine minute pace and you're sweating and you're breathing heavily. But also the avocado cake is adorable, you know. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's everything this episode I think so. Oh, Mandalorian Monday is tomorrow, and there better be a Cobb Vanth action figure announced. I know. But Emily, someone has a birthday coming up soon. Yes. Oh, I guess so. when this episode premieres, it'll just be a couple days. Yeah. Fuck. The birthday girl, the birthday girl. <laughs> Emily's the birthday girl. Yeah, it seems this year has been so weird in terms of time that I keep like forgetting how soon it is. But yeah, 
that means it's almost time for from a certain point of view empire strikes back yeah and you pre-ordered that right yep awesome oh and today uh uh well technically last night at midnight i ordered the uh lego sesame street set i almost was gonna get that for you but i thought she's gonna (laughs) buy it i know she will i know she'll cave in and buy it oh yeah (laughs) instantly it was like it was like twelve fifteen last night. I was on Steel Show, and I'm like, "Fuck it, I gotta get this thing right now." I gotta do it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh well, Emily, where can we find you in the podcasts on social media? I am on Twitter and Instagram at EFLind. The podcast is on Twitter and Instagram at CantoBitePod. You can also email us, you know, send us voice messages, send us questions, send us like fuck, Mary kills or whatever. And that is CantoBitePod at gmail.com. Brittany, where are you? I am on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And... We will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Here we go. Yo, 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 and away we go. It's time to serenade my girl Lindo. Sorry, the ladies, where I had to say no, but if I'm cheating on Serena, it's on Canto. No shame in the game, make even Rogue One seem tame. But I blame it on Brit with a ginger main main. Yeah, that's fire. Love on the rocks, leaves the love on my socks. Lindo fanfic leaves y'all shocked, especially when y'all truly whips out his cock. Canto bite. Episode 100 Hey yo, I'm back, no fulcrum this time I'm on a flight to the bay and I'm writing some rhymes My top three running through my head, you know So I had to come correct when they hit the hundo My girls E&B deserve congratulations Our adulation for the weekly creation My last celebration was all about them But this time I gotta drop lines for our friends This is for the bitches, strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches, all the canto bitches This one's for my bitches, only for the bitches Throw your hands up, bitches all my Canto bitches Start off with my Aussies Catherine's a sweet one Brought cash into lunch With Canto bitch number one Josh made it a team And had bourbon and cornflakes The kind of ice cream That made him show me his old face Got to meet Turbo And throw back some brew Fish tacos and San Fran You know we approve Rebecca from Perth I haven't met you yet Last shout to Frushy Dude I didn't forget This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches All my Canto bitches Rabia and Adele often email the show I cut a track on them trolls with Johnny Grasso Jesse McGee busted a rap for me Met her and horse B at Scum and Villainy King Tom Death Watch The most regal of fathers Got to behold the luscious locks of Strata Shouted Rusty last time so I shout a Raj too You know the list ain't complete without lesson boo This is for the bitches Strictly for the bitches Give it up for the bitches All the Canto bitches This one's for my bitches Only for the bitches Throw your hands up bitches all my canto bitches Now if I didn't say your name Don't feel no shame You love the fun The games And refresher bangs Hang on every word Of Lindo's fanfic Where she describes Every vein in Mendo's dick Spread the word Maybe buy a t-shirt I don't know Maybe ask the girls If Yaddle squirts Take your CBD Send in your top three, And you'll always be A bitch like me Get him Eric Get him Eric